Hey, it's Cody Woodard, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope this message encourages you and helps you see that God wants to do something new in and through your life. Enjoy the message. Come on, anybody thankful that God loves you? Amen. Today. I want to welcome all of our family watching online. Thank you for being here. Hey, do me a favor. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor. Come on, say neighbor. Say, I, you got a lot to do, but nothing to prove. Amen. God loves you. Nothing to prove. Doesn't love you for your performance. Amen. Doesn't love you for what you can give to him. Doesn't love you for how many times you come to church. He loves you because that's who he is. And, um, you know, this week I uh, had the, the privilege and honor uh, to be in Montana with a group of pastors. And on our, on our first night there, we, we got word of the mass shooting that happened in Texas. And I don't know about your heart, but my heart broke. I just want to say, you know, I don't, um, I don't have all the answers. I don't, I don't know you know, all my thoughts yet on, you know, gun reform and that kind of thing. But here's what I do know. What I do know is that a dark and dying and divided world needs a united church. That's what I do know. Come on, you can clap your hands for that. And what I, what I do know is there's a lot of issues in this country. And what I do know is that you and I are not created to simply come to a building and consume, but Jesus says he's building his church, that you, you are the kingdom, you are the hope of the world, you are the light of the world. And so may we never let what happens in this space stay in this space. We should be leading in businesses, we should be leading in politics, we should be leading in our families, we should do whatever it takes so that people know the hope of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen answer is not a politician. The answer will not be found in more laws. The answer is found in Jesus. The answer is found when you and I take the Spirit of God that was given to us and we exhale it to the world and we don't just lift our hands in here but rather we lend a hand out there and help people up and let them know that, that there is a God who actually loves them, that cares for them, that sees them, that wants a relationship with them. And we do not stop until every single person in this, in this city, in your family, this state, this nation has the opportunity to know the hope of Jesus that I've found and that you've found, amen. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for who you are. And God, we weep with those who weep and mourn with those who mourn. It's been a heavy week for many people. People have lost their lives, their children. And God, we don't have all the answers, but we do have you. We get to be a part of what you're building, not just here, but around the earth. And so God, would we not let it stay here? Would you use us in every space that we place our foot? Would you use us to bring unity to people and healing to people and hope to people? Be with those families. God, and I pray that as we open up your word today, that every single word that's preached from this platform would be pleasing to you. We need more of you, Jesus. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, everybody said. Amen. Hey, give somebody a handshake, a high five, a hug, or a kiss. 
Tell them you're glad you're here. They're, they're here. Hey, man, don't kiss nobody you don't know. It's awkward. Hey, church, can we just give a loud renovation welcome to all of our first-time guests in the house today? Come on, thank you for being here. If you haven't taken the time to share the stream, share the stream. You can go on Facebook, YouTube, share that stream so that people all around the world can watch. And uh, if, you are, if it is your first time, just want to say welcome. My name's Cody Woodard. I get to serve as the lead pastor here. And, uh, and God is moving in this place, and we want you to be a part of it. And so first thing you can do is take that Connect card and the seat back in front of you and just fill that out. Let us know that you're here. We want to connect with you. You can drop at the orange tent, get you a free coffee mug as just a way to say thank you for being here. And then uh, we have an event coming up next Sunday night called Connect. And uh, yeah, you can shout for Connect. Come on, somebody. Somebody loves some free food up in here. Um, but Connect, listen, if you've been coming for a while, you've been coming for, this is your first time, it's an opportunity for you to hear about the heart and the vision of our church, meet some people, really begin to establish some friendships and, and just what God is doing and what you, can, what you can do to be a part of that and how to get involved. And so we'd love to invite you to that. It's next Sunday night, 6 p.m. Kids are welcome. Dinner is provided. It's a great time. And uh, before, we, before we get into today, I just wanna say thank you. Um, thank you for your generosity. Every single week, we have people who give faithfully to the work of this ministry, to what God is doing, not just here, but around the earth. And the guy who actually led me to Jesus back in college is now on a three-month mission trip. Uh, he is over in South Africa equipping college students to share in the gospel, to disciple people. And your generosity is actually a part of that. You're a part of that story. So when I say you give, you're not just giving to this house, but you're helping us make disciples all over the world for Jesus. And you can celebrate that. Amen. I know what he did in my life. And so again, if you'd like to partner with us financially as an act of worship, you can do that in one of three ways. You can give online at renovation.church. You can give in the buckets as you leave, or you can text to give, text the dollar amount to 84321, and we would love to get you connected in that way. It's an offering. It's a way that you and I worship God. But today is a special day. It's Memorial Day weekend. All the real praisers are up in church today. Come on, somebody. Uh, and um, no hate on my online family, but uh, just glad you're here. And um, we have a really special day because as I mentioned, I I think that there's a lot of issues, but one of the evident issues today is the lack of leadership. And I believe we really need more leaders. And as a church, uh, one of my roles is to preach, but another part of my role is to equip people to do the work of the ministry and to train people up and see a gift in somebody and draw it out and leverage it in such a way where it helps build and encourage you up. And it's, the, it's to help people see that if God has placed a gift in them, it's called, they're called to use that gift. And so today, here's what's gonna happen. It's a different, it's a different type of Sunday. Um, and so we're in the final week of a series called God Help Me, but I'm not gonna preach it. In fact, you're gonna hear three different sermons from three different communicators in this service alone. And I promise you, you're gonna to wanna to get your notes out, take some notes. Uh, these three people are absolutely incredible, not only leaders, but people, communicators. Uh, they, they honor you and love you so well. And so here's what I want from you. I want you to, I want you to encourage them today as they speak. Many of them have never spoken before, um, and they've been, they've, been having, they've been waiting for this opportunity to share what God's put on their heart. So I want you to shout amen. I want you to say that's good. I want you to say preach it. I want you to encourage can we do that? Awesome. Hey, let's get into it. This is the final week of God Help Me. I want to start by telling you a little bit about my kids. So my kids are in this really fun stage where they're always picking their superpowers. Anybody else's kids pick their superpowers? So some days they have speed power and sometimes they can fly Right now, we're really into like laser vision, okay? And um, of course, sometimes they're invisible. 
So the other day we're driving in the car and I asked my kids, I said, what is so awesome about being invisible? And one of my children said, um, I can sneak in the kitchen and eat as much candy as I want without being seen. And my other one said, yeah, I can sneak in the kitchen and eat as much ice cream as I want without being seen. So if you thought I was raising superheroes who would use their superpowers for the greater good, um, you were wrong. They want snacks, but that is okay. So I wanted this conversation to keep going and I asked them, I said, is there anything bad about being invisible though? Like is anything negative about being invisible? And one of those same sweet children said, I mean, I guess I'll probably get a tummy ache from all that ice cream and candy. Um, but the other one asked a really great question. She said, what if I want to be seen, but I'm invisible? And I thought, that's it. That's the question that so many of us have asked or will ask at some point in our lives. What if we want to be seen, but we feel invisible? For me, uh, I've always had a passion for, for leading God's people, for teaching God's word, but I come from a faith background that told me um, to sit down and to be quiet, that I didn't really have anything to bring to the mission, to the kingdom of Jesus. And that is something that I have still to this day been dealing with, really working through. And I wonder if any of you have a similar story or maybe you feel invisible in your own circumstances. Maybe you want to be seen, but you live under the roof with a spouse who doesn't acknowledge you. Maybe you wanna be seen, but your kids have gone down a path different than the one you would have chosen for them, or maybe they don't wanna have anything to do with you at all. Maybe you wanna be seen, but you're still single and you wanna be married. Maybe you wanna be seen, but your coworkers and your boss overlook you at every turn. Maybe every prayer that you've prayed has gone unanswered and, and you're starting to feel more alone than you ever thought possible. Maybe you wanna be seen, but no one acknowledges the work you do day in and day out and it's exhausting and you just wanna be seen, but you feel invisible. And so that's why today's sermon is entitled, God help me, I feel invisible. And we're gonna look at the story from Genesis chapter 16 about the girl um, named Hagar. I love Hagar's story, but her story really begins in a dark place with invisibility. She was born into servanthood. She was a no one. She was nothing. She was the lowest in society. No one uh, listened to her. She wasn't heard. She wasn't seen. She was no one. And one time in her life that she was seen, she was put in a very impossible situation. See, Abraham and Sarah wanted a baby, but they couldn't get pregnant. And God had promised them generations of children, but they weren't seeing the promise fulfilled. And so they took it in their own hands, right? And so they gave Hagar to Abraham to marry, to have a child with, and she did get pregnant. And as soon as she was pregnant, Sarah started treating her terribly. So she was finally seen, put in a difficult situation, and then treated terribly. And the only thing she could think of to do in this moment and her feeling most alone, most broken, she ran and she ran into the wilderness. And I wanna stop here for a second because I think it's really interesting that in her moment of feeling most unseen, most alone, she runs further into isolation. And I wonder if that's true for any of us here that when we feel overlooked, abandoned, unseen, do we run into isolation or into the arms of our community, into the arms of Jesus? So she runs, she runs into the wilderness, she's all alone and something really awesome happens in this passage of scripture that I wanna read with you today. 
We're going to turn to Genesis chapter 16, verse 7. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that is beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, slave of Sarah, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarah, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress, submit to her. I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. The angel of the Lord also said to her, you are now pregnant, you will give birth to a son. You will name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard of your misery. And then in verse 13, something incredible happens. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. So there's this angel who appears to her on behalf of the Lord. He knows her story. He knows where she has come from, where she has been. And he tells her everything about her. He knows that she's pregnant, that she's going to have a son, that God has heard her cries, that he has seen her. And now he has provided a way for her to go back home. And in this moment, when she finally realizes she's not invisible after all, she names God. And she names him the God who sees me. And I wonder how many of you need to hear that today, that you belong to a God who sees you. You belong to a God who sees you crying on the bathroom floor. You belong to a God who sees you walking through your divorce. You belong to a God who sees you continue to choose your addiction day after day. You belong to a God who sees you scrubbing floors and changing diapers. You belong to a God who sees you in every moment of every day and he loved you enough to send his son to die for the places you think no one sees. So today, I need you to remember that when you feel invisible to someone, you are not invisible to God. He is not just the God who saved you back then. He is the God who sees you right now. And that is enough. That is enough to change everything about who we are. But if we really wanna be the hands and feet of Jesus to a broken world, we can't let it just change us on the inside. We have to let it change us on the outside too. See, now that I've been seen by God, I have to see you and you have to see others. So it's not an option, it's a necessity, right? We have to be people who once we are seen, we go into the world and we have eyes to see the broken, the hurting, those in pain, and we have to show up, which requires us to put down our cell phones. It requires us to stop being so busy. Let me just tell you, we are not gonna show up for people if we cannot shut out our distractions. And people need us to show up for them. Jesus talks about this in Matthew chapter 25. He says, the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father and inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it for me. If you are seeing your spouse and loving them the way that Christ loved the church, you are loving Jesus. 
And if you are seeing your children and washing their feet every day, you're washing the feet of Jesus. And when you have a neighbor who can't pay their bill and you step in and you pay it for them, you're meeting the needs of Jesus. When you welcome somebody here today with a smile and let them know that they belong, you are welcoming Jesus into this very place. And so as we wrap up today, I wanna leave us with these two thoughts. First, we have to be a people who know that we are seen and known and deeply loved. No matter where you're coming from, no matter where you've been, no matter what you're ashamed of, our God sees you, he knows you, and he loves you. He loved you enough to die for you. And then once we know that, we have to enter the world with eyes to see people who are sitting in brokenness and pain and sadness, those who are suicidal and marginalized, people who are not seen, we get to step in and see them. And when we do, we are showing them El Roi, a God who sees them. Good morning, church. My entire childhood, I played soccer. I loved it. But when I got to middle school, we didn't have a team. So I decided to make the switch to football, and I played that all the way up through my freshman year of high school. Now, during this time in a young man's life, there are some changes that happen, and I became interested in girls. Now, the problem I found myself with was that I was short and wide. <laughs> I was like 230 pounds and barely over five feet tall as a freshman. And as a lineman, my football coaches were essentially just trying to fatten me up. And I noticed that this directly conflicted with my interest in the ladies. <laughs> Knowing my high school had a team, I decided to make the switch back to soccer. I practiced, I trained, and I ran all the way up until tryouts. And guess what? I failed to make the team. I was at rock bottom. My life was over, the world had ended. Now, I know this sounds extremely dramatic, but we've all been teenagers at one point in our life. We've also had times in our life where we have failed. I failed as a father, as a mother, as a son, as a daughter, as a husband, as a wife. I lost my job. My career is never going to take off. My business idea failed. I failed two weeks into my Bible in a year reading plan. Am I speaking to anyone in here or anyone else? Can I get some hands raised, please? Thank you. The feeling of failure can be absolutely devastating. It can hurt our relationships. It can affect the decisions we make. And it can feel like this crushing weight that we just carry around with us everywhere we go. And most of us, especially men, tend to carry that weight in silence. That's why today my title is, God help me, I'm failing. You see, failure is nothing new. It's been happening for a very long time. Even one of our favorite founders of the church failed hard and often. Let me give you a quick highlight reel of our boy Simon, AKA Peter, all right? Peter was a fisherman by trade. And the first time he encountered Jesus, he had been out fishing all night long and he didn't catch a single fish. Now that's about as big of a career failure as you can have back in those days. Fast forward, and we see the disciples again in a boat on the water, and they're caught in a storm. And Jesus walks out to them on the water, 
And Simon says, Lord, if that's you, call me to you. Jesus does, and Simon steps out onto the water, takes a couple steps, and he begins to see the waves crashing in all around him. And he feels like he's in over his head. He takes his eyes off Jesus and begins to sink, and now he's in literally over his head. That was a pretty big failure. Last, we see Jesus and Simon talking, and Jesus tells him, you're going to deny me three times. And Simon says, no way, absolutely not, Jesus. I would never do that. And what does he do? He goes off and denies Jesus three times in a row. Jesus told him he was going to fail and how he was going to do it, and he still went off and failed. At this point, Simon doesn't seem like some larger-than-life biblical hero. He kind of sounds like all of us. Let me give you one last Simon story. In Matthew 16, 13 through 18, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. The gates of Hades will not overcome it. Jesus knew everything about Peter. He even called him Simon, son of Jonah. And in case you don't remember who Jonah was, he was an Old Testament guy who failed ran from his failures, and tried to hide in the bottom of a boat from God, ultimately getting swallowed by a big fish. Now, if this isn't a good representation of how we tend to handle failure, then I don't really know what is. Jesus knew who Peter was. He knew what he had done and what he was going to do. And yet it wasn't his failures that Jesus called him by. It was his faith. He had seen Peter at rock bottom, he called him the rock upon which he would build his church. Now, if this faith that Peter had was a good enough foundation for Jesus to build his church on, shouldn't we build our lives upon it? You see, Jesus knew that you would fail, but he knew if, this, if you focused on this foundation of faith that you could learn and grow from those failures. When you give your life to Christ, you are not declaring that you are perfect, and you're certainly not promising that you ever will be perfect. You're simply saying exactly what Peter said. Jesus, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. If this declaration of who Christ is is the foundation of your life, you can fail at everything else in life, but you will not be a failure. In everything, your job, your relationships, everything. Focus on the foundation. Understand why these things matter and when, not if, but when you fail, you can learn and grow and improve yourself. Use the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you as a guide. Look to the word of God that he has given to us. Be open and honest about failing and seek guidance from those who are where you want to be and have succeeded in the areas that you've failed. Peter himself tells us 
in 1 Peter 5, 5 through 7, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your leaders. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Let me tell you, even though Peter failed consistently, it was his faith and his humility that redeemed him. After staying out all night without catching a single fish, Jesus says, cast your nets on the other side of the boat again. Peter had faith, he obeyed, and he ends up filling his boat with fish. How often do we give up hope when Jesus is saying, try again? Go to that job interview again. Have that tough conversation again. Forgive that family member or friend again. We see a man who was drowning in fear, but Jesus saw Peter step out onto the water. He saw his faith. And even though he began to doubt and sink, he still had faith and called out, Lord, save me. And of course, Jesus did. How often do we wait until we're drowning in our failures to call out to Jesus? Prayer should be our opening move, not some last resort, last ditch effort. And when we see Peter deny Jesus three times, Jesus came back after the resurrection and he met with Peter and he asked him three times, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And this declaration from Peter of, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Leads Jesus again to call Peter to lead his church. He says, feed my sheep. You see, even when we fail, Jesus doesn't stop calling us to the purpose he has for us. He meets us where we are at, and he calls again. You see, even when I felt like I was at rock bottom, and uh, it was my parents, my mentors, my family, and mostly my faith that kept me going. I may not have made the soccer team, but I swallowed my pride and agreed to be the team manager. It sucked. <laughs> I was essentially the water boy for all my friends who were starters. I rode the bench every single game, and I sat next to the coach taking stats. But I know now that this was a season, literally a soccer season, of preparation in my life. I practice every single day with the team. I lost like 40 pounds. <laughs> hey, come on. And I, <laughs> and I soaked up all the information that the coach shouted out during those games. By the end of the year, I got playtime. By my next year, I was a starter. And by my senior year, I was a captain. Hey. I didn't say this last service, but most importantly, I got the girl, so that's, that's, that's what really matters. I say this all not to pat myself on the back, uh, but just let you know what I learned looking back during that season of failure and then preparation. You see, we are going to fail constantly, all the time, but as long as there is breath in our lungs, God is not done with us. Keep learning keep growing, fail forward. At Renovation Church, we often say that we have a God who sees us as we are. He loves us as we are, 
but he loves us way too much to leave us as we are. And I think that's so true, and I want to apply it to today's message. You see, I think to free ourselves from our failures, we need to see ourselves as God sees us, love ourselves as God loves us, but love God way too much to stay as we are. Thank you. My name is Yolendi, and I'm asking God to help me because I'm a hypocrite. There, I said it. We only have 10 minutes, and I'm trying to just, like, get straight to the point this morning. So, yeah, um, I grew up, and my parents were in ministry. My dad was an evangelist, and so what that is like is basically you're a pastor's kid, but you're at a new church every week. And so for me, it was like this week, new pastor, new church people, new church. Next week, more pastors, more churches, more church people. And in my experience, more expectations. And so um, at this time, I had already given my life to Christ. I was a Christian from a really young age, and I'm so thankful for that. But because, just because I was the daughter of someone who was in ministry, people had an expectation of what I should be. Have you ever experienced that? The worst part is that I believed it, that I should be something that I wasn't. And so um, around this time was the first time that I put on a mask and started acting a certain way. Um, And you may think to yourself right now, thank goodness I'm not a hypocrite. (laughs) But the thing is, there's there's a difference between like making mistakes and being a hypocrite, and that's all good. But when I looked into the history of this word, the definition where it comes from, I kind of thought there might be more people in this category than we care to admit. And I hope I don't ruffle your feathers because I know it's not a compliment. Um, But when, when I looked into this word hypocrite, it comes from the Greek word hippocrates, which simply means actor. Hippocrates means actor, hypocrite, actor. So if you can't go ahead and call yourself a full-blown hypocrite, maybe you can admit you've done some acting before. Anybody done any acting? (laughs) You know, we act like we have it together, but like there's a whole lot of stuff going on in my personal life you will never know about. We act like um, our marriage is perfect or is really great, but like you're struggling, you're on the rocks. We act, we act. Um, And acting is actually not like a new concept. as you may be able to guess, but it happened a lot, even in Jesus's time. And Jesus addresses it in Matthew 23. So let's look at that. Um, Here in Matthew 23, it says, then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the teachers of the religion of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses's seat. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you. They're the official interpreters of the law of Moses. So do everything they tell you, but don't do what they do. For they don't practice what they preach. They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Everything they do is done for people to see. They make their phylacteries wide and their tassels on their garments long. Phylacteries are just prayer boxes, and I'll talk about that in a second. They love the place of honor at banquets and and the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplace and to be called rabbi by others. So about the prayer boxes and tassels, um, basically in this time, the religious leaders, and they would wear these uh, tassels and these prayer boxes on their arms. It was like a little leather box and the tassels were to signify that you were holy. And so what they reasoned, because they were making this about themselves and about a show, they said, oh, okay, so a tassel means holy, a longer tassel means holier. So they lengthened their tassels just to show something. And they have these prayer boxes that has four passages, short passages of scripture on them. And in their prayer boxes, they, they were like, okay, so a prayer box is good, but a bigger prayer box means I'm more knowledgeable. So they make their prayer boxes bigger. They're showing, they're doing things for show. 
And to be honest, I can kind of see myself there. I can see myself there. I was so loyal to the rules. I was so loyal to the checkboxes. I was so loyal to the, oh, absolutely, I can do that. But I forgot why I wanted to do that in the first place. Um, And maybe if you're honest, you can see yourself there too. So let's continue down to verse 23. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. Jesus is bold. He's going to say it how it is. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides, you strain out a gnat, but you swallow a camel. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you clean out the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they're full of greed. Sorry, and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will also be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the law, you Pharisees and hypocrites. This is really important, don't miss this. You're like whitewashed tombs. You look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you're full of hypocrisy. You look good on the outside. You look good with your prayer boxes. You look good with your tassels. You look good with your accolades and the positions that you've been placed in. You look good. But you might be dead. Can I just tell you that the masks that we're wearing, they're not going to last. They may sustain you for a second, but over time they're going to fade away. Something interesting that really jumped out at me when I was looking into this word hypocrite was that uh, hypocrite, uh, Hippocrates means actor, and it was referring to the actors in the Greek comedies and tragedies. And so we've all seen like those pictures of the masks, but those masks were actually made of um, cork, they were made of wood, and they were made of stiffened linen. And there are no remaining masks today. The only reason we know what those masks look like is because that was such a sensational part of that Uh, culture that the artists were emulating what the masks looked like in their art. So that's the only reason we know. Those masks did not last. Your mask will not last. Um, What Jesus is getting at is that you can check all the boxes. You can look good. You can even be an amazing religious teacher and you can be dead. What does he say that we need to do in order to cure ourselves from our hypocrisy? He says, you need to wash the inside of the cup and then the outside will be made clean. How do we wash the inside of the cup? We can't. All right, guys, that's my 10 minutes. Thanks so much, I really appreciate it. I'm just kidding. Wouldn't that be the worst ending ever? (laughs) That'd be the worst ending ever. There's good news, okay? The good news is that Jesus is trying to get us to see the exact same thing that he was trying to get them to see. Jesus doesn't care about the outside. Jesus doesn't want you to try and clean the outside. Jesus wants you to let him clean the inside. And then the outside will be clean. The mask that you're wearing today when you walked in, you don't have to leave wearing that mask. This is an invitation to put that mask down. When you let Jesus clean you from the inside out, when you give your life to Jesus, you don't have to try and cover yourself. He's already covering you. 
And I hope that this doesn't come across to you as a call out. It really is not my heart for you. This is a call out to something higher. What if instead of playing a role that we have it all together, what if instead of playing a role that we're good enough, that we're holy enough, that we're enough, we acknowledge that we're not and we step into the role that God has for us, for us, which is just to be His child and to receive His grace. That is the only cure for hypocrisy. Let's pray together this morning and I'm just gonna pray from my heart. God, I'm so sorry for the times that I have tried to cover myself when your blood has already done that. I'm sorry for the times where I've tried to cover up what's going in my life when I can come to you and receive healing, Lord. I ask that you would help us to be willing to drop the mask, even if it's something that we don't wanna see, that you would help us to be bold enough to drop the mask and walk in authenticity with you, Jesus. We love you so much, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, y'all give it up for all three of these communicators. Come on, church, what a word, amen. I don't know which one spoke to you, but all three spoke to me. Man, I, uh, so many times in life, I do, I, I, feel, uh, I feel invisible and feel unseen and, and feel like a failure and feel like a hypocrite because I'm far from perfect. Uh, but thanks be to God that He loved us anyway. Thanks be to God He loves you anyway, come on. Hey, and I, and I don't know who this was for, but as Yolanda just said, you don't have to pretend. Um, it takes way too much effort and it's exhausting and it will not last. And so if you've never given your life to Christ and you, you felt like you, know, you had to cover something up or your life has been defined by every single mistake you made and you've lived your life feeling completely unseen and uncared for and unloved, as Jesse said, you have a God who sees you. And you have a God who does not define you by your failure, but rather gives you a new identity. When you and I are covered and washed in the blood of the Lamb, you and I can be set free. You and I can be saved. And so if that's you today, I wanna to give you the opportunity right now to accept Jesus, to say, I wanna make Him my Lord. If you will, would you stand with me? And uh, I'd just love for you to pray. Um, Jesus is who saves. It's not about just reciting a prayer or repeating after me. That's not why we do this. We do it as a way to align ourselves with God and thank God that He first loved me and we respond with the only reasonable response and that's to fully surrender our life to Him. And so God, I pray for everyone today under the sound of my voice, both online and in this room. God, I pray that if they've been dealing with feeling like they have to pretend or they've been defined by failure or they have lived their life feeling unseen, God, that you would let them know how much you love them that you see them, that you're pleased with them, and that you want a relationship with them. And so I pray for those right now who are saying yes to you for the first time. If that's you, you can pray this with me. Say, Jesus, today I give you my life. I believe that you died on the cross for me, that you rose again so that I can be forgiven and set free from my failure, from my sin, and be made right with you. Today I give you my life. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody set. Amen. Come on, put your hands together for those who made that decision today. Amen. Jesse, Yolundi, Josh, incredible job handling, handling the Word of God. I'm just going to tell you, y'all, I get like 35 to 40 minutes to preach every week. It's hard to say what you got to say in 10. Come on, you guys did an incredible job. I know you don't do it for the appraise of people, but seriously, you guys did incredible. Incredible.
Um, hey, I wanna let you know, uh, we're not slowing down this summer. Um, I can't wait for next week. We're gonna be shifting some things and I believe God's just gonna use it. You know, for me, I don't see summer as a time to just be lazy and take off. Like, in fact, I'm gonna be here preaching every single week because I just believe God is moving in this place. It's Memorial Day weekend. We had to pull Rose out up in this room. Come on, somebody. And, and that's not... That's not a pat on my back. It's really a pat on yours because this church is full of people who want people to know about Jesus, who are willing to go out and not just gather here, but scatter into the world and actually invite people in to experience the grace of God and to share their testimony and be generous with whatever they have to actually see people and remind them of who God says they are. So thank you for being a part of that. And uh, we love to connect with you. Fill out that connect card before you leave. Next week, we're kicking a brand new series called Leader Shift. Leader, shift. And I just believe God wants to shift some things in you. I think everybody in this room is a leader. And one shift I wanna tell you about um, is that next week we are changing our service times. Okay, we're gonna change service times because we wanna create, a, a, I think, a better opportunity, especially for our first service, to bring people to church and to reach people. And so here are the new service times. Next week, the first service is gonna start at 8.30 a.m. The second one's gonna be 9.45, and the final one would be 11. And so, hey, listen, if you're, if you're here, if you could help us out, as you see, this room is packed. If you could help us out by shifting to that 8.30 service, that would be amazing, or shifting to that 11, which is almost out of room as well. Um, it's really gonna help us reach people People far from God because we only want two butts in the seat we want the butt that doesn't know Jesus and the butt that's helping people know Jesus amen that's all we want and so I thank you again um, for being here next week we got baptism Sunday coming up come on awesome it's gonna be great if you've never went if you've never went public with your faith and been baptized fill it out on that connect card uh, we love to talk to you more about baptism and we cannot wait to see you next week for a brand new series leadership we'll see you then Thank you so much for listening to the message today. If it encouraged you in any way, we would love to hear about it. Send us an email to stories at renovation.church. And if you'd like to partner with us financially and help us continue to reach people all over the world, you can do that by going to our website, renovation.church give. Have a blessed day.